Hi, my name is Paul Grogan. Welcome to episode 10 of the all new Gaming Rules podcast. This episode is an audio version of the live Q&A that went out at the end of December 2021. The video version of this is already on YouTube, but thanks to the financial support of my Patreon campaign, it is possible to turn this into an audio podcast as well. If you do like the content that I create, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now on with the show. Welcome to the last live Q&A uh, for 2012. I was going to say 2012. What year is it? 2021. I got the right numbers, but in the wrong order. Um, yeah, Christmas thing. We're going to be here for about an hour and a half answering questions. Um, as always, big thank you to everybody for joining in live and hello to everybody who's watching this afterwards or listening back to this on a podcast because this, uh, this video will become a podcast in a few days' time. Um, what we're going to do tonight is I'm first going to go with all of the questions that I've been asked in advance on my BGG Guild, and then we will go to the live questions. So if you're going to be here for the whole show and you have questions for me, um, what you can do is you can put the word put the word question in capitals and then ask your question. Vicky is going to be seeing those messages in the chat and transferring them into a document which I'm going to be looking at. Um, yeah, fantastic. Right. Okay. So let's let's make a start. And let's go through some of the questions I've been asked uh, in advance. So these are asked on my Board Game Geek Guild. Vicky's going to post a link to my guild. If you are on Board Game Geek, uh, please go and join the guild. Uh, and make sure when you join, you subscribe. There's not many messages on there, so you won't be bombarded with information. But occasionally, there's some interesting discussions. So that's the place to be. Um, right, let's go through the first questions. So the first one is from Brendan. He said, I know I'm fairly booked up for the new year already. That, that's true. <laughs> I've got lots of things in the calendar for the whole of next year. Uh, do I have any plans for more war games potentially coming to the channel? Um, or did I scratch the itch in 2021? So for those regular viewers of mine, uh, you will know that a few times in this last 12 months, I've dipped into some games that I was going to say could be classed as war games, are most definitely war games. Uh, the, I didn't I didn't do as much as I wanted to. Um, there was plans for me to do a game called No Retreat and it just it just never got to happen. But I did dabble uh, with the help of Peter Rushton into some small scale hex encounter based war games. I'm kind of happy to say that that itch was scratched. I'm not going to say no to going back to it again, but um, I have no desires at the moment to scratch that itch anymore. Um, certainly because the games needed, they were fine, obviously there's dice rolls for combat, but they did need a lot of time investment and a lot of effort. Certainly the uh, the one we played, that I can't remember what it was called, huge, huge rule book. That, that would be a game that you played and nothing else, potentially. There was a lot going on in there. So very good, uh, but yeah, you required a lot of it, uh, a lot of effort. I'm happy playing uh, things like Undaunted, which are sort of like a war game, um, and things like Battle Law 2. They're, they're more my kind of things. But as I say, no retreat is still on my list of things that I want to do. But other than that, no, I think the itch has been scratched for now. Oh, the banner says November 20, 2021. Right, okay. Let me just fix that. <laughs> I'd forgotten to update that. Thank you for letting me know. Uh, where is it? It is that one. There you go. December. Right, okay, sorted. Fantastic. Right. Okay. Next question is from Kenneth. 
Uh, and this is a really good question because I can, I can answer this one. Kenneth asks, do I find it hard to go back to games that I've played and enjoyed because I'm always moving forward and showcasing new games? Yes, absolutely. Do I wish I could go back and play those games more than I do? Absolutely. You've hit, you've hit the nail on the head with one of my... One of the things that bothers me the most, um, and again, for those regular viewers of mine, you'll know what I did in January of this year is I actually took the month off work. And the plan was that, um, because the, this was a feeling that I had and it was a feeling that was growing and it was, a, it was a negative feeling that I've got all these great games and I don't have time to play them as much as I want. Now, that is probably the case for many people, but um, around September, October time of last year, uh, th those those negative feelings just I'd had enough of them so I decided in January 2021 I was going going to basically take the month off work and spend my time playing the games that I didn't have time to play and what I did earlier on this year I played through the entire Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth campaign uh, and I played through the, the entire Maracaibo campaign all of those videos are on the channel I've produced I think it was like 13 or 14 videos for Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth it took me about four months but I did that out of frustration for the exact thing that you mentioned. Um, is we've got all these great games, and a lot of them I just simply don't get time to play them as much as I want to. Um, I've no answer to that. Uh, I mean, looking forward to next year when I, I, I have finally taken a step back from rulebook editing work, I would like to say I'll have more time for playing games, and I will hopefully be able to address that situation a bit more. Another game that I played a lot of this year was Too Many Bones, uh, and we'll come on to that later on. But Games like that, you've just got to make time for, and it's so easy to get caught up in the cult of the new world at the time. Um, yeah, it, it is a real problem, and I'm sure lots of other people have that problem. Um, certainly people in my position as a reviewer, because you, kind of, you don't have to keep covering the new games, and I certainly never cover a new exciting game just because it's a new exciting game, okay? I cover the new exciting games because I'm a gamer and I'm excited about them, okay? I'm not doing it to try and get extra views or, you know, oh, a game comes out, I must cover that soon in order to get the views. No, I must cover it soon because it's exciting and I want to try it. That's that's how I feel about things. Right, next question is from James. Uh, James asks, uh, James says that he's liked following along with the latest fighting fantasy choose your own adventure book. So for those people who don't know, uh, earlier this week, I've done two live streams. There was supposed to be one yesterday, but I had to cancel it. And I'm playing through Caverns of the Snow Witch. This is a fighting fantasy choose your own adventure book from 1984. This is my copy that I bought as a 14 year old uh, and I'm playing through it. I did the same uh, in the summer. I did with, with another one. I did the same last year. And it's, um, yeah, it's been really, really good fun to go back to these. Um, and James is saying, would I consider making it a regular thing? Well, it kind of is a regular thing uh, every year between Christmas and New Year. Um, <laughs> if you're asking, would I like to make it a more regular thing? To be honest, yes, I would. Um, because I've got lots of these books and I do enjoy playing them. And the way that we do it, if you've never seen any of the videos, it's, it's an interactive playthrough. So when we get to a junction in, in the game or decision point, I ask the chat, the chat votes... And then we basically come up with, and then I, I go with whichever got the most votes. So it's very much an interactive playthrough. You're not just watching me reading through a book. Um, and they're really good fun. I really enjoy them. And thank you very much to everybody who joins in those and participates in them. Because they're good. Oh, the book becomes invisible when it turns around. Yes, because <laughs> it's green. And I've got the green screen monitor on. I'm not actually sat downstairs in the living room with a nice fireplace. 
Believe it or not. Right. Um, James has mentioned, would I do Fabled Lands or Destiny Quest? So I've not heard of either of those. Um, but it turns out that there are far more of these Choose Your Own Adventure books than I realise existed. I've got some of the ones from uh, way, way back in the 80s. Uh, Fate Master, uh, Lone Wolf books. I've got the Bloodsword books. I've got some... I'm sure I had Way of the Tiger somewhere, which was really good. Um, I've got some other ones as well. But yeah, I don't have any of the more recent ones. Right, Monica is saying, Monica has asked, how, what is the longest I have gone without playing games after I got into the gaming hobby? It might be the last four days. Have you ever thought, has there ever been more than a two-day period where I haven't played a game? I don't think there is. So it's probably the last few days. Um, however, right now, I am in the middle of two games of Terraforming Mars online and a game of Feast for Odin online, okay? So I'm still playing games. <laughs> I'm playing games, oh, and I'm playing Maracaibo on the app uh, multiple times per day. So I'm still playing games, but in terms of playing games with other people actually live, uh, yeah, not done that for, for a few days now. So this is probably gonna be, and we've no plans to do anything over the next few days, uh, and New Year's Eve will probably be just some fun party games. So yeah, it'll probably be about, Oh gosh, maybe over a week and a half. Um, next question from Monica is, Monica hasn't heard the story about how I came to work with rule books uh, and wants to know the short or long answer. So what I've done, Monica, because I used to get asked this question uh, not just once a month, but it was, it was every month that I got asked this question. I've actually created an FAQ. Vicky's gonna post a link in the chat right now uh, to the Gaming Rules or Paul Grogan FAQ. There's not many entries in it, um, but one of the things that I did get asked a lot is how I got into rulebook editing. So if you want to click on that link, all of your answers are there. And if you've got any other questions, uh, feel free to ask them. But I think that contained everything. Uh, and New Year's Eve plans. So yeah, New Year's Eve, we've, we've made a decision today because for those, I mean, it's happening all around the world, but the cases of Omicron are rising. Um, we had plans for New Year's Eve and we spoke to everybody today to see if they were still comfortable with those plans for New Year's Eve. And at the moment, we are still going ahead with our New Year's Eve plans. Everybody who's comes around will be, uh, you know, fully vaccinated, including uh, having their booster, and everybody's gonna do a lateral flow test before they come around. And I think we've got eight people coming over. So we all feel comfortable that that's kind of safe. Um, and basically, yeah, Vicky's gonna cook loads and loads of food and we're just going to have people over. Uh, it won't be a games really related thing because Vicky's not really into games. Um, it will be mainly a social, uh, a social event on New Year's Eve. Um, but also on New Year's Eve, in the afternoon, I have a live show planned. I've not really advertised this yet, but I'm getting together with a few other content creators. Uh, Luke Hector from Broken Meeple, Tom Heath from Slicker Drips, Mike Dennis from Ready Steady Play, uh, Mark Dainty from Not Board Gaming. And we're going to be doing a live show in the afternoon where we're just talking about our highlights of the year. So as I say, I haven't really advertised it. I haven't created that yet. But two o'clock in the afternoon on New Year's Eve, that's what I'm planning to do. Uh, Brian is asking, do I anticipate getting back to Too Many Bones soon? I'm not sure about soon. I will be getting back to Too Many Bones because I really enjoyed doing it on a monthly basis. And then there was one month where I missed it. And then I just caught, got caught up in... Uh, well, what eventually led to me making the decision to retire from rulebook editing. Um, everything just got all a bit too much and then SN came and then it was Gridcon and, and suddenly, yeah, it's been four months since I've played Too Many Bones. 
Uh, and, you know, I played lots of it. I've done nine streams of it this year, I think. And yeah, been really, really enjoyable. So I, I, I want to get back to it soon. And there's still a lot more of that game that I haven't actually explored. So yeah, I, I definitely want to get back to it next year. I, I don't know about soon. Maybe, maybe it'll be January. We'll see. Uh, Chris wants to know, how many games did I get for Christmas? Uh, zero. Um, I don't really do Christmas. So the presents that I get are generally gifts or edible things or, or things like that. Um, so yeah, no, I didn't actually get any games for Christmas. Uh, I think anything that I did want, I bought myself in November. So I completed my Arkham Horror Living Card Game collection uh, by and, and bought loads of sleeves and bought the and, and got the entire Concordia selection. I got them in November, but as far as I'm concerned, they are an end of year present for me. So yeah, completed my Arkham Horror Living Card Game collection and got Concordia and everything to do with Concordia. So yeah. Um, given that I don't do birthday presents, do I do them at Christmas? Not really, with the exception of the Millennium Falcon uh, that I got Vicky for last year. Um, don't really go in for Christmas or Christmas presents that much. And did I take the day off? Well, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> Technically, no. Um, I got up on Christmas morning and we'd had a really, really late night the night before. We didn't get to bed till about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, just because we were in the car on the way back from Vicky's parents and the shipping forecast on, on Radio 4 was so fascinating, we just stayed up all night listening to the shipping forecast. So we got a really, really late night on Christmas Eve. So Christmas Day, for both of us, was actually a struggle to stay awake all day. All day. It, was, it was quite bad. Um, but anyway, I got up on Christmas Day morning, uh, and as I do, I turn on the computer and I just check that the world's still there. Uh, and I had an email from a client that he'd sent me on Christmas Day morning about a piece of work that I've got planned for, I think, February or March of next year. And he said, hi, Paul, season's greetings or happy holidays. Uh, I'm, I'm about to, I'm packaging up the prototype and I'm going to put it in the post to you next week. I just wanted to confirm this is your address and everything's okay. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Happy holidays. Thanks very much. So technically I did work on Christmas Day. But that's pretty much all I did is I just replied to that email. And people said to me, well, why did you reply to that email? It's Christmas Day. And I'm like, well, if I don't reply to the email, that means it's on my mind. I've got to then do it. But just replying to it meant it was done and it was it was off. Uh, and that is for Tindaya, by the way, the game, if you're interested. Um, right. Phil wants to know, did Santa Paws visit Thor and Loki? Santa, Santa Paws definitely did visit Thor and Loki. Um, and what did they get? They got these like liquidy things in strips that they loved. Um, yeah, really, really nice. It's from a company called Weebox. Um, we've bought them gifts or treats from, from this company before and they're all, they're all really nice. Speaking of Christmas presents, Phil says, if I could give one content creator who makes either YouTube or podcast a Christmas present, who would I give it to and what it would be? So I've been thinking about this and I can't pick one, um, but I've got some ideas. Um, First of all, I'd give Rado a teleporter so that he could come here and, make, and play Marvel Champions with me because we both love the game and we both love to play it more and we just don't get the chance. Um, I would get Luke Hector an overhead camera so he can stop complaining about the fact that he can't do playthrough videos. Um, what else would I do? Uh, I'd get Tom Heath more viewers on his YouTube channel because Tom's videos are, are great and Tom deserves to get more views. Uh, and the same with Mike Dennis from Ready Steady Play. Um, yeah, very good channels. If you don't subscribe to um, Slicker Drips or Ready Steady Play, go onto YouTube and, and follow them. And yeah, 
really good channels. Uh, Klaus is saying that I have inspired most of his best, best solo game poachers in 2021. Well, that, that makes me happy. Maracaibo, Lost Ruins of Arnak, and Great Western Trail. Yeah, all, all great games. He's also just pre-ordered Ark Nova as his first 2022 purchase. And his question is, what game is looking like it might be my second favourite game of 2021? This is assuming that Ark Nova is my number one game of this year. I do my top tens a year after everybody else. So I have just released last week my top 10 games of 2020. And if you want to know what my top games are from 2021, it will be this time next year when I do that. I say this time next year, I'm actually considering it bringing forward to the summer because leaving it a year, I mean, so I might bring that forward. I might, I might do it in, in, around the summer. So it's still six months afterwards. Um, but at the moment, it's really hard to say. I don't want to just go with my gut feeling because my gut feeling is Imperial Steam. Imperial Steam was a fantastic game. I absolutely loved it. I have only played it three times and it was all in the same day uh, or the same two days. But I thought it was a brilliant design. I loved the game. But the only reason I'm hesitant about saying that that's my potentially number one, potentially number two favourite game is that knowing me, I've probably forgotten games that came out six months ago. So I'd need to actually go back and look at this. But certainly Imperial Steam. And I don't know if I was just in the right frame of mind that day but or, or the game just hit my sweet spot. But yeah, I thought it was fantastic. So at the moment, that that's what my gut feeling is. Monica's got another question. Uh, this is a non-game related question. Uh, on a TV series to binge watch, which would you choose? Now, I'd like to ask this to people who are watching the chat. So this is a question for the audience. I will give you my answer, but I'm curious to see what your answer is. Monica wants to know if you had these three TV programs to binge watch, which one would it be? Would it be Supernatural, MASH or Game of Thrones? Let me know in the chat what, what TV program you would binge watch. Now for me, I grew up watching MASH on TV. I, I don't know if it has dated. <laughs> um, I, I'm not even sure if there is a new version of MASH. I don't know if you know the, if, if you mean the original version of MASH. Um, and I don't even know how many seasons or episodes there were of it. Supernatural, I've not seen. Have you seen Supernatural? Vicky's seen Supernatural. Game of Thrones, I have seen. And like many people, um, this, is a, this is a very common thing that people think about, about Game of Thrones. And I, I, I feel the same way. When Game of Thrones came out on TV, having been a fan of the books beforehand, it was like fantastic. It was like when the Lord of the Rings films came out at the cinema. It was justification that we're not all complete nerds and that regular mainstream, you know, non-geeks can go and see a fantasy film. And when Game of Thrones came out on TV, it was arguably the best TV series that's, that was on at the time, possibly ever. And I absolutely loved it. And then it went slowly and slowly downhill and the last season just ruined it for me. So... Yeah, binge watch Game of Thrones, but potentially skip the last season and just pretend it didn't happen, I think, <laughs> is what I'd do. So what's the, what's the chat saying? Uh, Chrissy says Supernatural. Andrew says Supernatural. But yeah, let us know. Supernatural, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Uh, the New Witcher, yeah, I've seen season one, but I'm not going to watch season two until Vicky's seen season one. So yeah, it might might be a while. Right, okay, moving on. Brian 
has got some topical Christmas biscuit related questions, as, as you might expect. Does my biscuit munching habits change at this time of year? Do I eat more or do I try different biscuits? I mean, we don't generally have biscuits in the house because if we did, I'd open the packet and then it'd all be gone. Um, so I think at Christmas, we probably do eat more just because there are, somebody might bring around a pack of biscuits or something like that. Um, yeah, normally when I have a, like, a cup of tea, I don't have a cup of tea and a biscuit or I just, ha just have a cup of tea. Because as I say, willpower, zero. Um, I just, you know, give me a pack of milk chocolate hobnobs and, and <laughs> they'd all be gone. How do I rate the Christmas biscuit offerings from the likes of Foxes and McVitie's? Well, the uh, speaking of McVitie's, the orange and cranberry Jaffa cakes are amazing. Um, what do Foxes do? Do Foxes do special ones? Yeah, as I say, we're not we're not big, we're not we're not very healthy people at the best of times. So having a pack of biscuits in the house would just make it worse. Um, but if there are special Christmas biscuits for Foxes, maybe next year, or maybe in the discount section. I mean, we went to Tesco shopping this afternoon and they've already cleared all of the Christmas stuff. It's all gone. And it's all just now alcohol for New Year's Eve. <laughs> it's just massive row just full of alcohol in addition to the normal alcohol row. Uh, do we ever give biscuits as a Christmas gift? We don't. I don't think we do. No. If we did, what would we give? Shortbread. Because shortbread just a great gift and, and, and good to get. Uh, and what is my best ever biscuit related Christmas present? Oh, I don't know, because we don't really get... Yeah, I get baklava. If you can class baklava as a Christmas present, as, as a biscuit, which I don't think it is, uh, but every year, because I'm really hard to buy presents for, um, so Vicky's sisters basically get me a, uh, a box of baklava every every birthday and every Christmas, because that's that's easy. He's, what can we get Paul that he's going to enjoy and that he's going to appreciate, and it's a box of baklava. So I get I get that every year. Oh yeah, and Vicky's dad got me, um, yeah, the Jaffa Cake Jonas, which are amazing. Uh, and I'm really glad because they'd, they'd never tried them before and then they said they tried them and they said these are nicer than actual Jaffa Cakes and I'm like, yeah, they are, they're really good. Right, Mindy says, do I find that because I play so many different games each year that I focus on the enjoyment of the gaming experience than in trying to figure out the best strategy to win any particular game? Yeah, it's a good question, Mindy. Um, and, I, and I've... I think I've answered something similar to this before. Not the exact same question, but my answer is going to be the same answer as I gave for a, for a similar thing, which is about my mentality when I go into playing a game. Obviously, you go into a game and you, you are trying to win that game. If you're not going into a game trying to win the game, then part of me saying you shouldn't be playing it, and that's, that's a bit harsh. What I'm saying is... There is this sort of unwritten rule that if, if a group of people sit down to play a competitive game together, then they're all, they're all trying to play the game and trying to win the game. If you've got one person who says, oh, I'm just going to randomly pass every single action for the entire game and just sit here on my iPad, then they shouldn't really be playing the game because what they're doing is they're distorting it for everybody else. So we all go into a game trying to win the game. But uh, Mindy is asking, do I spend time trying to figure out the best strategy in order to win the game? And for me, I don't do that. I don't, I don't think I do that. And one of my... It's not a flaw, it's not a problem, it's just, it's just the way I am, is that I generally 
don't get better at games. So I've been playing Concordia a lot recently with the digital app. I've been playing Maracaibo a lot. I love both of the games. I enjoy playing the games. I'm not very good at them and I'm not getting any better. And that is because, and this is, this is a roundabout way of answering your question, I'm focusing most of my effort on, oh, this is great. Oh, I can do that and I can do that. And oh, if I do that and then I get these three things, that's going to get me 10 points there. Yeah, I'll do that. That's great. And then I don't win. And I'm like, okay, do, do I go away and do I analyze why I didn't win and how I could have got more points? I don't really. I focus more on the playing the game. It's not to say I don't play to win. I absolutely play to win. But I don't go into it evaluating every strategy. I just don't. Yeah, I, d I just don't give it that amount of time and effort. And for some people, that comes really easily. Uh, I know some people who play a game and halfway through, they've worked out that they'll get more points by doing this sort of thing. And I'm, I'm not like that. Uh, when we have a day off, what do we enjoy doing together? The standard answer for that is geocaching, which we don't get to do as much as we'd like. Um, uh, and especially, we were going to do some over the holidays, but every day so far has been rain. Rain or wind or rain and wind. Um, and yeah, we're going to the cinema tomorrow. So yeah, geocaching is one thing that we do together outside. When we are at home, uh, it tends to be TV watching while we are both doing our own thing. So I will be painting, Vicky will be either painting, doing cross stitch or jigsaw. What else do you do? Silver clay, not cross stitch, um, quilting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically we both got craft related hobbies. Uh, and we'll tend to put a TV program on and we'll both sit there doing our craft related hobbies while watching TV. Steve says, what would be the best and easiest way to teach too many bones as he wants to introduce it to a gaming friend, but the thought of doing so makes you nervous and I make it look so easy. <laughs> Thank you very much, Steve. Um, too many bones is, is hard to teach, but I would say the best way to teach too many bones is to not teach very much upfront uh, definitely don't try to explain everything before you start playing because there's, there's no need to. But my recommendation is give your give the person who's uh, playing the other character, give them a character that you know very, very well. Because then you can help them with that character and you're not having to struggle to understand what their character is doing at the same time as your character. So definitely give them a character that you're comfortable playing. Another thing which you might want to do, and some people watching this might say, oh no, that's a really, really bad thing to do. But one of the things with Too Many Bones is when you've got your points that you get to spend and you level up, is having to decide what to spend those points on. And this is one of the great things about the game is that you can spend those points. What are they called? Somebody in the chat tell me what they're called. I can't remember. Um, you spend those points on increasing your stats or you, you get another die or something like that. But until you know the character, you don't really know what to do. So what you might want to do, if you're teaching somebody for the very, very first time, is do something, take a leaf out of what Spirit Island did. So in Spirit Island, when your uh, spirit gains an extra card, what they've done for learning Spirit Island is, the normal rules are, you draw four cards from the top of the deck, pick one, and put the other three on the bottom, right? And that's the normal rules for the game. However, when you're learning the game, what they do is they give you a fixed deck of cards and they say, right, the next time you're gonna learn a new power, 
just take the top one off the top of the deck and it's a, it's in a fixed order and that is brilliant and i'm thinking too many bones might benefit from something similar to that so when you are first playing too many bones and you've got your first training point thank you very much chrissy you've got your first training point you look at the list and it says look it's your first game this is a really tricky decision but if you want to go with the list you can go with the list and it will say decks and it will say this and then it will say this and then it will say this in other words you remove one of those decisions from the player for their first game and as i say some people might not like that but if the first time i played too many bones if somebody gave me that list i would follow that list because i felt totally lost totally out of my depth i didn't understand what was going on and i was having to make this really important decision without actually understanding it so yeah i i, I would i would recommend doing that um and if you're on the if you're on the slack channel steve and you want to join the too many bones channel we can do that we can come up with a we can come up with a list right <laughs> that is the end of all of the questions that i was asked in advance so we're going to take a short break and i'm going to tell you about the contest so every time i do one of these live q a's games law give me 25 pounds worth of game vouchers to give away so thank you very much to games law for effectively sponsoring the podcast games law is the uk's largest specialist games retailer uh, they sell lots of games, gameslaw.com. And they gave me 25 pounds of vouchers to give away. I'm gonna be doing a contest which starts now and it's gonna end on the day of the next Q&A. So basically, if you're watching this video live, you can enter this contest. And even if you're watching this video at any point up to whatever the last Wednesday in January is, which is the 26th. Okay, so the contest is gonna run from today until the 26th of January, 2022. Uh, and all you need to do is you need to click on a click on a link, which Vicky's gonna put in the chat now. This link will take you to a form and you'll put in your name, your email address. The code word or the secret word today is Snow Witch or secret words. So when it asks you for what the word is, put Snow Witch. And if you are a patron supporter, you get extra entries into the contest. Last month, was won by Joe Harrison, AKA Rambleshanks. Uh, so thank you very much, Joe, for your patron support and congratulations on winning 25 pounds worth of game vouchers. And thank you very much to Games Law again, for giving those vouchers to give away. Right, so that's the end of the questions that I got asked in advance. If you want, if you're watching this um, video back and you're not watching this live and you think, oh, I never managed to catch any of Paul's live Q and A's, but I want to ask him some questions. Join the BGG Guild. And then a few days before the live Q&A, what I do is I put a thread up on my guild and people can ask questions there. And, I, and that's, that's what I do. I answer them in the Q&A. Right, moving on to the live questions. So the first one's from Brett, which isn't a live question. Brett sneaked this into the document about an hour ago. Of all the sugar high inducing snacks that were in our Scottish care package, which was our favorite? For me, it was probably the fudge. What about you? Now we've not had the shortbread yet. We've not had the shortbread and we've not had the Tunnock's tea cakes. Did, did, was the chocolate shortbread in there as well? We ate that. The chocolate shortbread didn't last very long at all. I refer back to my previous conversation about an open pack of biscuits. The chocolate shortbread probably, but the, I think the fudge was especially nice. The tablet was a little bit too much. It was like solid sugar, but but the fudge was really, really nice. I, either the fudge or the the chocolate shortbread was nice. Vicky's not sure. It's all nice. Um, question from Joe. What was Vicky's favourite Christmas presents? Uh, they were all good. 
but the best were we got some walking sticks. So the last time we went out geocaching, yes, I'm that old. Uh, <laughs> the last time we went out geocaching, there was this slight incline, but it was an incline. <laughs> it was an incline that went on for about half a mile. And as I mentioned, me and Vicky are not the fittest of people. And we decided that it would be much easier sometimes when we're going out geocaching if we actually had a stick. Um, and we'd mentioned this, I think, to your parents in a non-subtle... Oh, Christmas is coming up. Hint, hint. Um, and they got us some really nice sticks. We've not had a chance to try them yet. As I say, uh, the weather's been a bit too bad. Um, but yeah, so they, they, they were really good. We got, we got one each. Uh, and Vicky got, also got two new Pinch of Nom recipe books. We've already got a couple of Pinch of Nom recipe books. Highly recommended Pinch of Nom. They're healthy. Yeah, they're healthy, healthy ones. Have a look. Have a look. Um, yeah, am I right to call it a walking stick? I don't know what the technical term is. It's from Mountain Warehouse. It's, it's, it, it is a walking stick, but it's a stick to enable people who go rambling and walking out in the countryside. Yeah, that kind of thing. And yeah, we, we both decided that we needed, we needed one. Um, will the recently launched James Webb telescope unfold the sun shield successfully? Yes, it will. I hope. I tell you what, if it doesn't, I'll feel terrible for the people that have been building it for 30 years. Um, yeah, so yes, I, I predict yes, with cross fingers. Um, Silverfear says, you were gifted a copy of Nemo's War for Christmas. You watched the four-hour unboxing and playthrough. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Do I have any tips for a new player? Yes. Um, and recommendations for a dice tray for an easy, uh, an easy roll. There's lots of different dice trays out there. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I didn't have a dice tray. I've now got five. Um, but any tips for a new player? I think for your first game, I mean, I, the game is very hard. But I think for your first game, maybe your second game, is don't worry too much about it. And certainly just, just play the game. But one of the things that I got told after my first few games was you need to be thinking a lot more. And certainly in that playthrough, where I was basically learning as I went along, when the other ships spawn on the map, I was kind of just going, oh, I'll put one here and I'll put one here. It's actually really important. So where you choose to spawn the ships is very important. And definitely think about that. Um, yeah, more than more than I did, certainly, in that playthrough. Uh, question from Frederick. What are my thoughts on Rolling Realms by Stonemaier Games? I don't have a copy of Rolling Realms. Jamie did say he was actually going to send me a copy uh, in advance for Gridcom, but it didn't arrive, and I've, I've not chased him. Um, I like the idea of it. I think it's a really clever idea. I don't know much about it, but I think it uses bits from lots of other games together. Um, but yeah, I've, I've not got it and I've not looked into it that much. Uh, Boros says, well, maybe I'll do some coin games. Yeah, now I was talking about this. When was I talking about this? Christmas get together. That was it. So on Boxing Day, uh, which is December the 26th uh, in the UK, um, I did a Patreon meetup. So sometime in the evening, on December 26th, I did a, uh, an invite to Patreon supporters and we all got together on Discord. Well, not all of us, but a lot of us got together on Discord and we, we chatted about stuff. And one of the things that was discussed was coin games. Uh, and I talked about the fact that I've only played one coin game once, and that was Fire in the Lake. And I absolutely respect the system and think it's a really, really good system. 
and I love the fact that they're they're all historical, but I didn't have the time and effort to put into properly learning it. But it is something that I do want to try more of. So, yep, at some point, maybe this year, there might be a coin game covered on the channel. If so, I'm not sure which one it would be. But what I would do is I would be looking to my patron supporters who are fans of coin games to basically host that teach me and therefore it would be kind of up to them which one they'd want to choose. I'm not sure which one I'd choose uh, if I had a choice. But that's my question for the chat. If you want me to do a coin game on the channel, which coin game would you want me to do? Let me know. Uh, Genway's here, wants to know what are the genres in games that I don't enjoy or any that you'd like to try? So there are definitely, uh, there are definitely mechanisms um, that I don't enjoy. If that's what you mean by genres, it might not, but I don't like uh, uh, hidden role traitors, uh, hid hidden traitors or, or anything like that really. Um, so social deduction, not not a fan of social deduction at all. I'm not a big fan of blind bidding, but I have played some games with some blind bidding and sometimes it can work, but I just hate the fact that I bid 17 and you bid two and I win the bid, but I've spent all of my money and I would have won the bid if I'd have bid three. And it's just guessing. And, and it's all down to the fact that I'm a person who likes to make decisions in games based on information and not not guess at things. Uh, and I find I find a bit of blind bidding guesswork and, and, I, and I'm not keen on that. Uh, in fact, as, as far as genres in games, genres that I don't enjoy, yeah, I think you'd probably class social deduction as a genre. Um, any that I'd like to try. I can't think of any that I'd like to try, apart from the aforementioned coin game. I would like to do a bit more coin game. Um, I don't think there's much else more that I'd like to try. No, I mentioned the Hex Encounter War games that I might dabble a bit more into, but other than that, no, I think I'm okay for the moment. Uh, Michael, have I have you had a chance to play Weather Machine? Will I be doing a tutorial? So uh, I've already done some videos of Weather Machine. Um, that's already on the channel. There is a three-player tutorial and playthrough of Weather Machine on the channel. Will I be doing one of my how-to-play videos? I think I am. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I am because I think the rulebook says uh, if you want to learn how to play, click or go here and there's a QR code. Uh, so I haven't done that yet, but I will be doing that's in my calendar for some time next year. So I will be doing an official how to play video for Weather Machine. But yes, I have played it and there is a playthrough video on the channel already. Um, my game of 2022. Oh, it's a good question. Good, good question, Andrew. Um, ask me December 2023 and I'll come back to you. There. So come back to me in two years time. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a good if you mean what game am I most looking forward to for 2022, I do get asked this quite a lot. And I know a lot of other content creators and a lot of people with YouTube channels, they're putting videos out right now of here's my most anticipated games for 2022. And I don't do that for two reasons. The first reason is, and this is the main reason, those videos are very, very popular. And I think it's unfair on all of the people that are making games next year but haven't announced them, right? So, and this isn't a criticism on anybody who makes those videos because I'm friends with a lot of them and it's, it's great that they're doing these videos and that it's great that they are looking forward to the future about exciting things. My issue is 
some people watch those videos and go, right, that's it. That's this person's top 10 games of next year. And that's all I'm going to look at. And that's unfair on all of the other games that haven't yet been announced. For example, Czech Games Edition are going to do a new game in 2022. I already have an idea of what that is, and it looks good. And it, it would probably make some people's top 10 lists if anybody actually knew what it was. But they haven't announced it, and they're not going to announce it, probably until maybe March, maybe April, something like that. And if I was to do uh, 10 games from next year that I'm most looking forward to, I think it's unfair on the games that haven't been mentioned. Anyway, I've said that a few times. Um, but the other thing is that I also am not completely aware of everything that is coming out next year. I would have to go and watch everybody else's videos to find out what's coming out for next year. Um, going back to something that was mentioned earlier on, I struggle to keep up. I haven't played all of the games for Messen yet. I've still got Bitoku, not played. I've still got Boone Lake, not played. And some people are probably watching this thinking, well, hang on a minute, Paul, you work full-time in the industry. You spend all of your time playing games, don't you? Why have you not covered these two big popular games? What have I been doing all of this time? And it's like, yeah, I just haven't had time because I've been doing so many other things and so many other stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I haven't managed to even catch up with everything that's come out this year yet. And I've even got some games in shrink from last year, uh, let alone think about what's coming out next year. Um, right, as someone who almost never gets dislikes on their YouTube videos, how do I feel about YouTube getting rid of the dislike counter? Um, you was always impressed seeing my perfect like percentage. So I do get a few uh, down thumbs, but um, not that many. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I, it doesn't really bother me that much. I know they have changed it. I think you can still dislike a video, but it doesn't show up or something like that. So, yeah, I kind of not really bothered about about that kind of thing. And I don't know whether them getting rid of it is for the better or for the worse. I haven't really thought about it. What do, what do you think? Is, has anybody got an opinion on the change that YouTube have made on getting rid, rid of the dislike counter? Because um, one thing that I heard is that actually disliking a video can cause you to get noticed a lot more in the algorithm than if somebody liked it. I, I don't know. Um, but it's always interesting if, I mean, from what you're saying, is that my videos compared to some other people's get fewer dislikes, which is great, I guess. What is my favorite Vital Lacerda game? Says Josiah. Oh, I never really know because there are a few of them which I play and I think are really good. Um, the new Vinyos, I really like that. Lisboa, I really like that. Uh, On Mars, I really like that. Kanban EV, I really like that. They are probably my favourite four. I don't know which of those I like the most. It might be On Mars, but that is possibly because I had a lot more exposure to On Mars. I was part of the development team for On Mars. I played it a lot more. I got into it a lot more. It's by far his most complex game. And if I wasn't involved in the project, I probably wouldn't rate it as highly because it would be, oh, it's a little bit more complex than the others. But the others are all are all great as well. So yeah, I'm not actually sure which one of those is my favorite um, because I've played Kanban EV again recently and thought, oh, this is really good. So yeah, it's probably between, but I've not played Lisboa or Vinyos for a long time. 
Yeah, not sure. I'll go with on Mars for now. Um, Henry says, uh, anything new for Mage Knight? Would love to see something new. Um, I'm not involved in anything new for Mage Knight. Um, I don't know if WizKids have anything planned for it. I would have thought if they did have something planned for it, they would have let me know or at least ask me to be involved. But there's no reason for them to do so. It's Vlarja's game. Uh, they, but I think Vlarja probably would have mentioned it to me. So I, I don't know. As far as I know, there's nothing in the pipeline for Mage Knight apart from fan-related character expansions and things like that. I mean, it's really nice. Even even now, Mage Knight has just had its 10th, year, 10th birthday. Um, but even now, I'm still on the Facebook groups for Mage Knight. Uh, I'm on, obviously, the solo board gaming groups and I'm on BGG. And there are still people discovering, even on the Slack channel, even on the Patreon supporter Slack channel, there are still people discovering Mage Knight, playing Mage Knight, enjoying Mage Knight 10 years on. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's just it's just fantastic. Speaking of the Patreon, I haven't actually mentioned it, but um, yeah, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making these videos possible. And if you don't know, I do rely on the financial support of my Patreon in order to help create videos like this and various other things that I do on the channel, like playthroughs of this. Um, so if you do like the content that I, I make and you want to support me, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. We're currently on a bit of a Patreon drive to try and get to uh, 800 supporters and we're 17 away. Um, yeah, we were 17 away a few days ago and I've had three new supporters in the last few days, but I've also had three people leave for various reasons. So we're still at 17 people to go. If you're wondering why it still says 17 supporters to go, that's why. Um, and yeah, I've got something special planned when I get to 800. But yeah, big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. And if you are able to support the channel, patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. Thank you very much. Right, next. Uh, is there a weather machine tutorial on the horizon? Ah, yes, I mentioned that. So yes, there will be a how to play video for weather machine. I think sometime around the summer of next year. Monica is asking, evolution digital or the physical game? I've only ever played Evolution once in physical form. I do have the digital app, but I've not really, I've got the free version of the digital app and I've not really played it much. My, my honest opinion after playing Evolution once was that I didn't like it. However, I was the only person at the table that didn't like it. And I think I need to play it again because I think I went into that game expecting something a bit more involved and it wasn't. It was shorter and it was lighter. And that's not to say I shouldn't like it, but I think I went into the game with the wrong mindset. And I know Evolution is quite a well-liked game, so it is a game that I would like to try again. And next time I go into it, I'll just say, this is like a 45-minute lightish game and, and just play it like that. I don't know, I mean, this is years ago. I think I played it when it first came out, so I don't know how long ago that was. Um, why does my FAQ have nothing about Jaffa Cakes? Right, Andrew, very, very good question. So at some point, either tonight or tomorrow, I will update my FAQ with the answer to the question that you've all been wanting to know, which is, what's the deal with you and Jaffa Cakes? Are you, are you on some kind of sponsorship deal with them or something? I, I will put that in there because there is a reason, there is a story behind how Jaffa Cakes became a part of the channel. And I will put that in the FAQ. Thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, right, next question from Gemway. What's my approach on learning brand new games from scratch? 
So what I do is I do uh, I do a live stream, which is Patreon supporters only, behind the scenes video of Paul learning a game. That, that's what I do. Basically, my approach, whenever I get a game and I need to learn it, is I actually do a live stream where I basically get the game out and I learn how to play it. And I do that as a live video. And I do that for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, that is the way that I learn best. I don't learn best by sitting downstairs and just reading the rule book because I'll get three pages in and fall asleep. I also, ironically, I cannot learn a game by watching a playthrough or a tutorial video, right? That's not, that's not how I learn games. The best way for me to learn a game is literally to open the box, open the rule book and follow through the setup. And I learn as I'm going. I don't read the entire rule book and then try and play the game. I literally go, oh, the six different actions I can do. Right, I'm going to do action number three. And then I read how action number three works. And then I do it. And then the next player, what are you going to do? You're going to do action number one. Right, I now read how action number one works. It's a terrible way to play the game, but that is the way that I learn it. And gradually, over the, over the period of time that that video takes, um, I will get to the end of the video and I will have then been through the rule book and I will have experimented with most of the rules. The next stage is that I actually then play a practice game. And thanks to the um, things like Tabletop Simulator, I quite often learn, uh, having learned the game myself, I will then go onto Tabletop Simulator and have a game with other people. Um, but yeah, if you're a patron supporter of mine, you do have access to these behind the scenes videos. I enjoy doing them and I think people enjoy watching them. Um, and I think it's also useful for some publishers because if, if I've got a game and I'm struggling to learn it from the rule book, any publisher who sees these videos will go, oh, wait a minute, this is the bit where Paul got confused. That's an area that we could improve uh, of the rule book. But yeah, I do quite a lot of those videos. The most recent one I did was, um, well, I did Tabernusi, but I did that playing on Tabletop Simulator. Well, we use Tabletopia for that one whilst reading the rules. So it was kind of a behind the scenes video of me learning the game, but we used an online implementation. Uh, Brian said, Vicky will be cooking lots of food. How are my culinary skills? My culinary skills are not great. Um, no, they're not, to be fair. Vicky does, Vicky loves cooking and baking. And it is one of the things which uh, I do very little of. So I don't have any natural skills in terms of, I wouldn't know what to put in food to, to make it taste. I can follow a recipe, but that's a, that's about it. I, I don't have the fundamental basic knowledge of, oh yeah, you could add this and oh, just put a bit of nutmeg in. I, I wouldn't think to, to put certain things in certain places. So no, I'm, I would say I have very, very basic culinary skills. I can prepare food and make sure people don't die, but, but that's about it. Rick is asking, how about some new campaign games for the channel? Uh, Clank Legacy and Sleeping Gods. Well, Clank Legacy, we were going to play with you, Rick, at some point. Um, and Sleeping Gods, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to play Sleeping Gods at some point. Um, it's just, it's just a matter of time, because <laughs> I, I'm looking around the room and I'm looking at these games, and these games are all saying we want to be covered on your channel, Paul. Um, but in terms of campaign games, I don't know right now whether I've got any other campaign games to cover on the channel, apart from, of course, Arkham Horror the Card Game, which is going to get. We're going to finish the Forgotten Age hopefully in January, and then I've got plans to do Edge of the Earth in either February or March. So yeah, we'll see. 
Uh, Ricky's also asking, can we see RPGs on the channel? So, yeah, possibly. Uh, if, if, there's, if there's an interest in it, um, and if there's a way that we can make it happen, we might do it as Patreon only or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, but for those people who don't know, I, I've played role-playing games. I mean, I haven't done any role-playing now for about 10 years, but prior to me getting into board games, I spent 25 years playing D&D. Uh, it was it was my main hobby. Role-playing games was pretty much every, uh, the only thing I did. I didn't do board games. I didn't do anything else. So I've been a big role player in the past. I haven't done any recently. I've never played D&D 4th edition. I've never played D&D 5th edition. But there are a lot of friends that I've got that do role-playing games. Uh, and there's a lot of patron supporters that do role-playing games. And there's a lot of features now where you can do these games remotely using various tools online, which were not there when I, when I was playing role-playing games. Um, and it's been something we talked about war games earlier on, about the fact that I covered some war games this year. Has it scratched the itch? Yes. The itch of me wanting to play a role-playing game again is still there. My only concern is the commitment, the time commitment, uh, where, when at the moment I'm trying to get more free time for myself, I need to be very, very careful that I don't accidentally fall into a, a another bad routine of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly busy every night of the week and I don't have any time to, to do the stuff that I'm now planning to do. But yeah, I do want to. Um, and yeah, may, maybe we'll cover it on the channel. Maybe we'll do it as a one-off special one weekend or something like that um, when I'm free. Because uh, Rick, you can GM. There we go. Uh, do I plan, uh, this is a question from Mark, do I plan on covering the chip theory games to be released this year? Burn Cycle, Hoplomarchus and Elder Scrolls. Burn Cycle, 100% yes. Um, I've had discussions with them about that and I, I absolutely want to cover Burn Cycle on the channel. I can guarantee you that Burn Cycle will be covered on the channel whether it is a sponsored video or not. Um, because I have an interest in Burn Cycle, I think the setting is cool, I think the game is great, and I absolutely want to cover it on the channel as soon as I can. So Burn Cycle, yes. Poplar Marcus, I... is not the kind of game that I would normally go for, but because I did that video for them during the Kickstarter, I was like, oh, I can see why this is really good. Um, my actual plan for Hopla Marcus, and nobody knows about this yet, including Ricky Royal, is to invite Ricky Royal round here for the day and we play through Hoplomarchus Victorium together. Now, Hoplomarchus Victorium is a solo game. So you might think, well, why, why am I going to invite another person round to play a solo game? But if you've seen what I've been covering on the channel over the last couple of years, I have done a number of solo games, including one last week, where it's two people playing the solo game together. And that's my plan. So when Hoplomarchus comes out, I'm going to be contacting Ricky. I'm going to be inviting him round for the day. And I'd like to do an all-day stream of us playing Hoplomarchus Victorum. So yeah, he doesn't know that yet. If he's watching this video, then he, then he will know that. But that, that's my plan. Um, Drewby's asking, have I ever played Obsession? <laughs> you got it for Christmas and you've, you've played it quite a bit. So the reason I'm giggling, Drew, is that Obsession is a game which was being talked about a lot at Gridcom. Uh, and has been talked about a lot with all of my patron supporters. And it is the game which I haven't played yet. I don't have a copy of it. I haven't played it. But it is probably the most talked about game with people that I know that I haven't played. I'll have to see if some local friends have got it. Because 
I definitely need to play this game because everybody who's played it has said it's fantastic. Um, and everybody who's got it recently has said it's fantastic. So yeah, I think Ben Filler offered to come round and teach me how to play. So yeah, maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe one Friday night at some point, I'll invite Ben round and he can teach me how to play Obsession. But I've heard nothing but good things about it. Um, yeah, you got it for Christmas. You really enjoy it. That's excellent. Monica is asking, how do I feel about the Challenge Guild at BGG? Do I take part in some of the challenges? I don't know what the Challenge Guild is on Board Game Geek. Um, I'm not aware of that. But what I can give you is I can give you my opinion on the 10 by 10 challenge things, is that I don't go in for them. Uh, my life uh, is such that I need to be cutting down on the amount of stress. And a 10 by 10 challenge, for me, would just increase that. Um, again, that's down to my mentality. I want to play the games that I want to play. I don't want to have a list staring at me saying, Paul, six months ago, you said you'd play me 10 times and you've only played me five times. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to play it another five times, but I've got to because I've got it on a list. I don't really want that. So if the Challenge Guild is, is anything like that, then for me, that would actually just add extra stress. Um, but I don't know. Let, let me know what the um, let me know on Slack what this challenge guild is because uh, I don't know about that. Brian is asking: Is the Millennium Falcon finished? And was there a missing piece? So the Millennium Falcon is finished. It was finished in June. Is there a missing piece? There wasn't a missing piece. There is now. Oh, there is. There's two, but we didn't ask them to send them. Well, we should. We should. Do you know which two they are? Apparently there's two missing pieces. We should totally contact them. If you know what the pieces are, it's incomplete. It might fall apart. They might be essential. How, how is it supposed to do? It's not decoration. It's an essential component. How can it do the what's it running so many parsecs without those missing bits? There you go. I embarrassed myself with failing my Star, Star Wars knowledge. Um, so yes, there are two missing pieces to it, unfortunately. I mean, we might have lost them. Okay, we, we <laughs> there's a, yeah. Because when you unpack them and all the bits go everywhere, we probably lost them. But yeah, it is finished and there are photos of it somewhere. I don't know where, but there are, there are photos of it somewhere. Uh, right, Brian, I'll tell you this. Next month, if you ask me a question in advance, can we see a photo of the finished Millennium Falcon? What I will do is I will line one up and then I can press a button and I can show you it. Right. Uh, how much shades of Tesla do you help design? Oh, that's a very good question. That's a very, very good question. And I'm more than happy to answer that. So Shades of Tesla is the, um, the, the latest expansion for Mage Knight. I say that when they released the Ultimate Edition, there were five additional cards, which were, which were Vlarge's design. But Shades of Tesla was a, was a kind of a big box expansion for Mage Knight. And it was a co-design between me and Phil Pettifer. And the roles in that project were that I kind of, I kind of project managed it. Um, this was a project that was given to us by WizKids uh, and I effectively managed the project and ran the project. Phil did probably 80% of the design work. I think he designed the new enemies. He did most of the scenarios. Um, yeah, I think 80% of the actual design work was, was Phil. Uh, I had input into most of it. Um, and me and Phil didn't agree on everything. 
the ideas for the faction tokens was my idea, but then Phil did most of the design work on those faction tokens, but I had involvement in how they worked. The, the scenario, the, the one where you start at level three, that was my scenario. That was absolutely 100% me. So yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I worked on that, but that, that's, that's my memory about it. Um, am I going to stream a tutorial for Dark Souls the board game, says Gilles. I can, <laughs> I can say with almost 100% certainty that I am not going to be doing a tutorial for Dark Souls the board game. Um, I have played the game once. A friend of mine, local friend, Andy, um, is a real big fan of, of the Dark Souls computer game. So he got the Dark Souls board game and he brought it round and we all played it and he was in agreement with the rest of us that this is an awful, awful game. So absolutely terrible design of a board game. I believe there is a whole set of new rules that the fans have come up with that actually make it into a playable game. But I've, I've no interest in, in, in trying that. Um, yeah, so no, that, that, that won't be covered on the channel. And if you are a fan of Dark Souls, the board game, then I apologise. But that's, uh, yeah, I, I could go into detail about how much of a bad design it was. Um, what are we seeing at the cinema tomorrow? It will be Spider-Man. No way home. Because if we don't, that Rick that we know, he's bound to spoil it. He's bound to start talking and accidentally spoil it. So yeah, we're, we're going to go and see uh, the new um, Spider-Man film. Because we saw Spider-Man, what's it called? Far From Home. A couple of days ago. Because it's on BBC iPlayer at the moment. So we've, we've seen the second Spider-Man film. Um, and yeah, really looking forward to that. Uh, Brian says, favourite or notable geocache? We've had a few. We Yeah, I think I think the fishing one. So there's one in Exeter and it's it, it's on the side of a church and when I say a church I mean a modern church that's basically just like a fancy building in a street not like a you know stone building from a thousand years ago um, but there is a street in Exeter and we're following this geocache and we arrive at the gate and, and it's a church it's clearly a church and we're like well, we can't go in. And it's like a Saturday afternoon or something like this. But we're like, well, it's got to be in here. This is where the coordinates are. So we went in, not into the church itself because the building was closed. But when we're through the gate and we're in this little garden and then we're walking around and then there's a sort of alley down the side, a bit of a garden alley type thing down the side of the church leading to the other side of the church, which leads out onto the other street. And we're walking around and we're like, well, the coordinates say that it's here. And we're just... We're like, but this can't be right. Anyway. And then I noticed it. Or we noticed it. I can't remember exactly who noticed it. But I was like, imagine the side of this building. And I'm looking at this side of this building. And I'm like, that pipe doesn't go anywhere. So out of the side of this building, there's the usual pipes, drain pipes and everything else. And there was one pipe coming out that looked like a drain pipe. And it was coming out of the side of the building and then going nowhere. And I'm like, well, that's suspicious. So we went to investigate and we undid the screw cap on the top of this pipe and there was a message on the inside and then there was a piece of string with a magnet, oh, which, which was hidden nearby. Yeah, so in, in, a, in a little wooden, like, hut thing nearby, there was this piece of, oh, no, that was a different one. 
I'm getting mixed up between two of them. There's two of them. Right. So the one by the church, you, you took the top off and there was a magnet in the top. So imagine, imagine you've unscrewed this top thing and there's a magnet on there with some kind of cryptic message. And we're like, well, what, what do we do with this? And what it was is the geocache was attached to a piece of cork, which was attached to a lump of metal, which was down the pipe. So what you needed to do is you actually needed to put the, the, the metal, uh, put the magnet next to the metal and lift it up out of the pipe. That, that was a great one. The other one was out in the countryside and the, it was a road sign. And there was, there was, there were two parts to it. And yeah, in, in one, was it underneath like a salt? You know, those big yellow things that, that store the salt. And it, this is in the middle of the country. Uh, it was on a crossroads and we went behind it and we found this piece of string with this magnet. And then you walk back over the road, stand on a bench, and literally in the top of one of these road signs, you put this piece of string down with a magnet and it gets something and you pull it out. And yeah, anyway, they're, they're probably the two best ones we've done. We've done some really, really good ones. Um, but yeah, Monica saying you haven't tried it, have a poor sense of direction. My sen our sense of direction is awful, L literally awful. You don't need a sense of direction. You just, you follow the coordinates and you follow it on your phone and it tells you where it is. You don't need a good sense of direction to go geocaching. Definitely not. Um, have you ever forgotten that you have a game in your collection until you've bought another copy of it? So no, well, yes and no. There, I mean, recently, a couple of months ago, when I was preparing the games library for GridCon, we went through every room of the house to make sure that my collection on BGG was correct. And I think we got it, probably not 100%, but 99 point whatever percent. Because my collection is about 700, 750 games. So it, it's almost, almost there. Um, and there were definitely some that I'd forgotten I had. Not to the point where I've bought another copy of it, but definitely some when going through the house that I'd forgotten I had. Uh, what is my favourite cooperative two-player board game? Spirit Island. Hey, easy. Absolutely easy. Um, is there anything that comes close? No. No. Spirit, Spirit Island is probably my favourite cooperative game, and two-player is the best play account for it. Uh, I mean, I've got some other favourite cooperative games like Aeon's End and things like that, but I think Aeon's End is better with three. But yeah, two-player cooperative board game Spirit Island. Stacy says, I'm not a fan of hidden information. How do I feel about trick-taking games like The Crew? I really like The Crew. Uh, and also we've played um, Stick'em recently a few times, which is a very evil trick-taking game. I don't mind that. So it's interesting that you say, because I did say earlier on, I like perfect information and I like to make games with that decision. It depends on the game. Okay, so The Crew is cooperative, so I'm fine. And Stick'em is just 10 minutes of fun. If I was playing a 90 minute to two hour Euro game, which had guessing or blind bidding in it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't enjoy that. But yeah, so there's a time and a place for it. I, I think you know, games like The Crew are fantastic. Games like Stick'em are fantastic. Yes, you don't have perfect information in those. And yes, you're kind of guessing, certainly in Stick'em, you're putting a card down, hoping that the other players don't have certain cards. But yeah, it's fine for that. Monica is asking, how many one or zero to two player games can you name that you have tried and liked? Oh, okay. Um, Under Falling Skies, 
which I have gone on record and have said, in my opinion, is the best solo game ever. Um, so yeah, Under Falling Skies definitely, which is a which is a one player game. Um, Nemo's War is really a one player game. There is a there is a variant where you can play it with multiple players, but Nemo's War is definitely a, a one player game. Nemo's War I enjoyed. My biggest issue with Nemo's War is the length and the randomness together. And I know fans of the game will say the randomness isn't as random as you think. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm rolling lots and lots of dice. Um, if Nemo's War was an hour to an hour and a half, great. But it's a three, three and a half hour game. It's a bit, bit long for me. Under Falling Skies is fantastic. Um, I've also played So You've Been Eaten, uh, which isn't out yet, but I was involved and I did a couple of, I helped with the rulebook for it, and I did a couple of videos for it on the channel. And So You've Been Eaten is a zero to two player game because it's a two player asymmetric game, but there is a bot for each side. So you could literally play it as a two player game or as a one player game versus the bot, uh, or as a one player, as a bot versus the one player, or you could play two bots against each other. Um, so I've played that. I haven't played that many others. Um, I don't know. If, oh, Pavlov's House is a solo game. I've played that. So Pavlov's House I really enjoyed. Again, that has dice in it and that can run a little long, but one of the one of the most exciting videos that I've ever done on the channel, if not the most exciting, was my playthrough of Pavlov's House. If you're interested in it, go and check it out on the channel. I've covered the digital version. It's not that one. That one was great, but it's where I covered the physical version of Pavlov's House. That was an edge of the seat video and I really, really enjoyed that. So yeah, played that as well. Have I played Brian Borough yet, says Genway? I haven't. That's on the list. Uh, that Polis, Polis is actually from last year. Um, Boon Lake and Bitoku and Watch and Altree. Oh God. Yeah, there's loads of games from Essen that I haven't covered on the channel yet. Uh, but no, I haven't played Brian Borough yet. And I am really interested as well because at Gridcon, one group of people borrowed Brian Borough, played it and said it was fantastic and then borrowed it again the next day. And I've also heard other content creators saying how good Brian Borough is. But on the flip side, I've had another group of people that said they played Brian Borough and they thought it was awful. So I, I now need to play it myself to see see what it's like. I'm expecting I'm expecting good things, but we, we will find out. Um, somebody has already pointed in the FAQ. Have I ever created my own board game? Is that in the FAQ then? I don't think it is. Uh, so have I ever created my own board game? So I'll mention this now, but uh, I just want, I'm just going to check to see if this is in the FAQ. No, it's not. It's not in the FAQ. But it is a good question because I do get asked it now and again. So the short answer is yes and no. Um, I have created my own board game, but it hasn't been published and it will never get published. But I have designed a game. I went through the process, the design process, the development process, uh, printed a prototype and people have played it. It's not very good. It's playable. It works, but it's not good enough to be published. But I have actually created one. Uh, and I'm happy with that. Um, and, the, and the slightly longer story is that I've been wanting to design my own game for over probably 30 years uh, to the point where it was really annoying me. Um, and I had so many ideas and kept wanting to do something with it and then just never did. So the fact that, and this is going back about probably three, four years ago, the fact that I actually designed this game to completion so that it was finished and playable 
the monkey is off my back now. I now don't feel the need to design my own game. The reason for that is I know my own strengths and weaknesses and I feel that I'm much better as a game developer rather than a designer. And for example, uh, we look at Vital Lacerda's games and we look at ISS Vanguard, okay? Now, whether they credit me in the rulebook of ISS Vanguard as a, as a developer, I can tell you now that I have done development work on that game. A tiny bit compared to the designers that are actually designing the game, but I have been involved in some big discussions about certain fundamental changes to the way that certain things work in the game. That caused discussions at Awaken Realms, which they then came back to me and said, yes, Paul, we're going with your suggested idea. That makes me very happy. The fact that ISS Vanguard is going to be this huge, massive, sprawling game, and I can look at some bits of that game. Nobody will really know this, but I'd be able to look at bits of that game and go, that, that bit there, that is working the way it does because of what I suggested. Um, and that, that makes me really happy. But yeah, I, I'd love to be able to design my own game, but it's the time, the effort, and the skill and I, I don't think I have that. Uh, question from Penny, how do, what do I think about the upcoming weather machine? Did I play it solo? And if so, how was it? Um, so yeah, well, weather machine, as, as I've mentioned, and I've mentioned earlier on that I, I was involved professionally in the game. I helped out with the development of the game. I wrote the rule book for the game from scratch. I started with a blank sheet of paper for that, for that rule book. Uh, and I will be doing a how to play video for it next year. Um, I haven't actually played it solo. I did help out with the solo rules, um, but then I wasn't available at the time where the solo rules were being finalized. Um, but uh, Vital had a lot of help from people on the Discord channel. Uh, Shelly, in particular, I believe, uh, was instrumental in helping finalize the solo game rules. So I've not played it solo yet, um, but I've heard that the solo rules are relatively complex because it's trying to simulate another player. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've not tried it solo yet. Uh, how are we doing for time? It's quarter past six. So at this time, I'm gonna say no more questions, please. If you have any more questions for me, I will be doing another Q&A at the end of January. So uh, yeah, if you have any more questions for me from now, please keep them until next month. And I'm now just gonna go through uh, all of the rest of the questions that we've been asked so far. Before we do, just another mention to the contest. Vicky's going to post a link to the contest. <laughs> so I'm running a contest at the moment. Uh, the contest runs from now until January 26th. To enter the contest, you just need to click on the link that Vicky's posting in the chat. Um, and the secret word is Snow Witch. There you go. Good luck to everybody for entering the contest. And again, big thank you to all of my patron supporters. If you are a patron supporter, you will get two entries into the contest instead of one. And thank you very much to Games Law for... Um, or give me the £25 worth of vouchers. Right, next question. Atris says, are there any games you want to play but don't because of lower views or other channel limitations? Right, so there are, there are no games that I want to play but I wouldn't play because I know the video wouldn't get many views, right? I, I'm gonna cover the games that I want to cover on the channel. Some of those games that I cover tend to be, uh, can be very popular and the views go up uh, and some of them, you know, can, can not be. For example, I did a, a video on Ark Nova a couple of weeks ago. It's had, what, 5,000 views or something like that. 
Um, earlier this week, I did a video of me playing this. It's had 500 views. I'm still going to do it. It doesn't matter that it got 500 views. In fact, even if it only had 100 views, I'd still do it because I wanted to do it. Um, again, that's the that's the flexibility that the Patreon gives me, is that my Patreon supporters help inspire me on things to cover in the channel. And there was definitely a lot of people asking for me to do another of these game books. Um, but yeah, I don't think there is a game that I can think of that I want to play that I wouldn't cover because I know it isn't popular. Um, and any games on the second shelf waiting offline to play? There's lots. Yeah, there are, there are definitely games. So I've got Polis over there. Polis, I really want to play. A local friend of mine, Rob, got the first edition of Polis um, and I never got a chance to play it with him. This is the second edition. I've heard it's a lot better. It's a two-player game. I really want to play it and it's up there on the shelf, still in shrink. It, I, yeah, so there's that. But as I say, I've still got Bitoku. I've still got Boon Lake. I've got big, hot games for Messing. I've got all three that I really want to play as well on the channel. So yeah, it, it's just not enough time to get through them all. Uh, nice jumper Christmas present. I've had this jumper. Was it from you? When? Like 10 years ago or something? Yeah, so I, this is like one of my favourite jumpers, if not my favourite jumper, which is why I wear it all the time. Um, and apparently it was a Christmas present about 10 years ago. So, yeah. Any any plans to pay Pathfinder the Adventure Card Game, The Crimson Throne? Yes, that's on the list. Um, my only hesitation with that is... So for those people who don't know, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, I did a whole series of playthrough videos, which was nine episodes, I think. It was either nine or ten episodes of me playing the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. Was it like once a week for like three months? Um, and I really enjoyed them. Like, really, really enjoyed them. I thought it was fantastic. My only hesitation about covering The Curse of the Crimson Throne is I still think the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game is better with two or three players than one. One worked and it was okay, but I just think it is a much better game with two or three. However, a two or three player playthrough is a lot harder to coordinate because a solo playthrough is like, it's just me. Am I here? Yes. Am I free? Yes, I do it. If I'm doing a multiplayer game, I have to find other players that are free at the same time. And it generally would have to be an evening, which means there's another evening gone. Whereas I did the first Pathfinder ones, I think it was like four o'clock. I think I was doing them at like four o'clock on a Monday. So at that mean, at that point, I can fit it in myself. My other hesitation is Curse of the Crimson Throne is twice the size of Dragon's Demand. It's like six parts, each of four episodes. It'd be 24 videos instead of nine. So it's more than twice the length. I do want to do it. Um, it's just, it's just time. It's just time. Uh, Mom Gamers in the chat said, a friend of yours is considering selling you your page of Monster Hunter. Thoughts on the game? I don't have many thoughts on the game. I've heard of Monster Hunter and I remember seeing there are some channels out there that cover big Kickstarter games with loads of miniatures um, and I, I don't tend to cover those games that much. So yeah, I don't know much about Monster Hunter. But this is a question for those people. If Mom Gamer is still watching, what is the opinion of people in the chat about Monster Hunter? Because... A friend of Mum Gamers is considering selling them their pledge. Should they go for it? Let her know. Uh, Rick says, can we take Victoria and I geocaching? Yeah, of course we can. We can take them to that one in Tiverton that we never found. You know where I was climbing up and down that sewer and under the bridge for like half an hour and we still never found it? Rick will find it in like five minutes. Yeah, 
yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come to Tiverton one afternoon uh, and we'll, we'll go geocaching and we'll take you to those ones that we never found. There was about three, wasn't there? We went, we, we, it was our most unsuccessful day geocaching ever. I think it was when my dad was living with us. Um, and we went to Tiverton for the afternoon and we did these three different geocaches and didn't find a single one of them. Um, and what's frustrating is when you go onto the geocache system, you can look at the, the history and we found, and we were like, well, somebody found this yesterday. So it must be here. And, and then we still didn't find it. And yeah, we came home having not found a single one. Um, uh, Shiffy says, my most anticipated board game of 2022. Scroll back. Um, I did talk about that uh, earlier on. Kirk says, other than myself, who are the best rulebook writers? So there's a few names of people who um, I generally give, but only one of them I actually know in much detail. So there is a guy called um, Jason Holt. Jason Holt is a writer uh, by day, and he writes all of the rule books for Czech Games Edition. He also writes all of the rule books for Delicious Games, and he also did one of the rule books. He did Cerebria as well. Uh, Jason is, I've learned a lot from Jason. I wouldn't have even, I don't think I would have been able to be the rulebook editor I was without Jason's help. Um, so yeah, Jason, Jason Holt, not very well known in, in, in the industry, but he has done uh, a lot of games. So he did a lot of the good, the good CGE rulebooks. He's, he's really, really good. And I know, and I can say that because I've worked with Jason for over 10 years, and I know that he pretty much writes them himself. There are some other names out there, like William Niebling. Uh, when I see William's name on a rulebook as the editor, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be good. Um, but there's been a couple of rulebooks recently which William's name has been on there, which I've thought, ah, this rulebook's not that good. So the reason why I'm hesitant is when you see somebody's name as the editor, you don't really know how much involvement they had in it. And it's the same with mine. So, for example, you might see my name as the editor of a rulebook, but you don't actually know how much I did on that, and you don't know whether I actually signed off the final version or not. That's, that's one of the parts of my job which I'm uncomfortable with. If I write a rulebook in Google Docs, and then the publisher says, thanks very much, Paul, we'll take it from here, pay me, and then that's it, and then they go away, and they put it in layout, and they get all of the images wrong, and they do a terrible layout, and then they make some changes to the rules, and I'm still listed as the editor. That can happen, okay? Um, whereas, you look at a game like Weather Machine, I started with a blank sheet of paper for Weather Machine, and I was involved in the process all the way right through to the end, which is, Paul, are we okay to send these files to the printer? And I saw the very, very last version before it went to the printer. That, I am comfortable with having my name on there. But that's what I'm saying. If you see somebody's name in the back of a rule book, you don't know really how much they were involved in it. Uh, right, Genway, what are my top 10 roll and write games? Oof, I don't think I've got 10. <laughs> um, I, I like every roll and write game that I've played, I think. No, that's not true. That's not true. Roll and write games, we've got a squeaky cat. Roll and write games for me need to be simple. Um, and I, I, the, the ones that I've played that have been simple, what was that one that I covered on the channel which I did a playthrough with everybody playing along at home? Oh, it's in a square box. 
You must know it. It's in a square box. Game in a square box. It's by Devere Games. I think it's by Devere Games. Anyway, that one. That one was really good. Um, Cartographers is nice. Uh, Railroad Inc. is nice. Um, Welcome 2 was okay. But Welcome 2 was a step up in complexity. Uh, and one that I wasn't keen on uh, was Welcome to Dino World. That was a roll and write game. But it was actually a bit too complex for me. I, I wanted... I, I like simpler games for roll and write games. So yeah, there's there's the ones. Trails of Takana, that's the one. Trails of Takana was really nice because it's just, it's like a 30 minute game. You can get it out, you can play it. It's quite simple, but a bit clever. Yeah, I like that. Um, most important question of the day, Indiana Jones or Han Solo? I don't know. Indiana Jones because he's got a hat. I don't know. That's a very good question. I mean, I grew up with both both films. Um, I don't know. No, you put me on the spot there. I can't. I can't decide. Yeah, that is a very good question, though. We should do a poll. Um, do I think the board game industry has reached its saturation point? This is the last question, is it? Yeah, this is the last question. So no more questions. Well, no more questions from fifteen minutes ago. Um, but the last question I'm going to answer today from Sharat is, do I think the board game industry has reached its saturation point? Yes, but I think we reached saturation point a few years ago. Um, there are, I mean, I remember 20 years ago when I came back from Essen and I brought back a whole load of games and they were the games that came out that, not all of them, Loki's just walking in front of the camera, but... For the last five years, at least the last five years, there are more games coming out than anybody's able to cover. I mean, people like Rado and, and, and Slicker Drips, they, they cover so many games. And, you know, I mentioned Luke on The Broken Meeple. Luke does so many videos of so many different games and reviews everywhere. And they're not even covering 10% of the games that are coming out. I don't know. We try to cover, and, and I don't cover anywhere near as much as what I'd like. So, yeah, I think... I think the board game industry reached saturation point about five years ago in terms of there are too many games, I would say there's too many games coming out, definitely, um, and there are games coming out and there are probably, out of all of the games that come out every year that I would enjoy, I probably get to play maybe 10 or 20% of them. And that is one of those things that you've just got to accept. There is no way that I could try out all of the games that I think I would enjoy. There's so many games coming out all of the time. Yeah, just just not possible to do so. So you just got to pick the ones that you uh, pick the ones you can. And sometimes you'll pick the right one, and sometimes you'll pick the wrong one. There are definitely games that have come out in the last few years that I've covered on the channel uh, in preference to another game. And on reflection, I would have preferred the other game. But you know, you never know these things until you try them. Anyway, we are we are all done. So just a few shout outs before we finish. As I say. If you have any other questions for me, I do these once a month. I've been doing these uh, live Q&As now for a few years. So if you do have any questions, wait, uh, pop onto the BGG Guild. Make sure you are a member of the BGG Guild, which Vicky will put a link to again. Uh, make sure you join, make sure you subscribe. And at some point uh, around the 20th of January, I will be posting a link to January's Q&A and you can ask me those questions in advance. Or you can come on the live show in January uh, and ask me there. 
Second thing is, don't forget to enter the contest. I'm running a contest. It's, it's open now and it runs right until January 26th, 2022. To enter the contest, you just need to click on the link, takes you to a Google form, put your details in, and the secret word is Snow Witch. Secret words, Snow Witch. For those people wondering when part three of the playthrough is, I'm planning on it being tomorrow, um, but it all depends how our, how our day goes tomorrow. So provisionally, 5 p.m. tomorrow, I will be doing part three of this. But keep an eye on the YouTube channel, click the little bell so that you get notifications. Um, but I plan on continuing my playthrough of this tomorrow. And the final thing is, again, just a big thank you to all of my patron supporters that fund the channel. Since I announced that I'm effectively retiring from rulebook work next year, that has that is going to have a financial impact on me. And that financial impact has been offset by the Patreon channel, uh, by the Patreon support. So, yeah, a huge thank you to all of my Patreon supports for helping fund the channel. And if you like the content that I make and you want to you want to support me directly, you can do so. Patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. Being a Patreon supporter actually gets you a lot of stuff, uh, which which a lot of people don't know about. There's access to the Slack channel where there's a great community. And as I mentioned earlier on, you get access to a lot of behind the scenes videos. So if you want to see me getting a game out that I've just got and learning it, um, then yeah, I, I do a lot of that stuff. We're also planning in the new year, speaking of these adventure game books, uh, on January the 3rd in the afternoon, we are planning a four player game of Bloodsword, which will be a Patreon only video. So yeah, I've basically got four of my Patreon supporters who are going to play through Bloodsword. I'm going to be the narrator. Um, and yeah, I do a lot of these behind the scenes videos. Anyway, um, Happy New Year, I think. A lot of you I won't speak to before next year. Um, so yeah, I'll wish you a Happy New Year. I am planning on the video on New Year's Eve that I mentioned. So if you are around for that, that will be in the afternoon. Uh, but I know many of you will probably have uh, plans and things like that. Is that everything? Mention the contest. Oh yeah, please give the video a like. Make sure you click thumbs up. And if you're not watching this live, leave me a comment. Let me know, Han Solo or Indiana Jones. Let me know whether Mom Gamer should buy a copy of Monster Hunter. And what was the question earlier on? There was a question earlier on. Coin game. Which coin game would you like to see covered on the channel? If I cover one coin game on the channel, which one do you want it to be? That's everything. Thank you very much to everybody for watching. And I'll speak to you all next time. Take care. Bye-bye.